are listening to Omnis Protocol. I am Charles, also known as Omnis, and I'm here with Lexa from the Morlocks podcast. What's going on, Lexa? Not too much. Uh, we are getting ready for another event night that sadly you're going to be missing. I know, I know. Uh, I, I can't remember if I've said it on the podcast yet or not, but I am uh, planning to go to Adepticon and um, Mox is going to do its, um, right, the Unstoppable Colossus, Colossus. event. Yes. Uh, which is too bad. Um, but we will just have everything. to. We will just have to get you to play it the, when you get back, and then we can do an episode on it as is tradition. <laughs> For sure, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I honestly I still want to play the other ones too. Oh yeah. Um, I still haven't played Vibranium Heist or mm-hmm. um, Magneto's Kit, but uh-huh. all right, Alexa. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about our uh, primary primary episode content. Um, which is, as you've seen with the name of the episode, this is about what's fun for your opponent. Now, I want to preface this, which this is not a casual versus competitive event conversation, which I know Lexa understands that. But Mm -hmm. for the listeners, I just, before you like, oh God, like before you're bracing for the craziness of that conversation, this has nothing to do with that, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, we're not, uh, this episode has nothing to do with judging what is fun for someone. This just has to do with stepping back and not thinking about yourself for a moment and thinking about what is fun for your opponent. I've done five episodes in a row on LVO content, and this is just something that's been on my mind. And Lex and I ended up having a great conversation about it. And I just thought, Lexa, why don't we do an episode on this? I think this would be good for the community to discuss. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay. So again, listeners, the concept is stepping back and thinking about what's fun for your opponent. And I want to nix just the concept of like winning is what's fun. Winning is what's fun for everyone, but that is a dopamine hit at the end of it. Right. Mm -hmm. That, that affects everybody, right? Everybody wants a dopamine hit. Everybody wants the like on their Facebook post. They want the, you know, the share on their tweet, right? That stuff all feels good. It gives you those little dopamine hits, but we're talking about what makes the journey fun. What makes yeah. building the roster, like building the roster and playing round one and playing round two, what makes that fun for someone? So mm-hmm. uh, Lexa, do you want to, do you want to start off? Like what's the most fun for you? Just so we can kind of get some baseline examples. Like if you like your favorite game of Marvel crisis protocol, like what would, what's that going to include to make it fun for you? Uh, fun for me is when I see that look of my opponent going, what in the world is going on over on the other side of the table? Um, it's it's I have this weird thing where I like to personally just present interesting puzzles to my opponent that they have not seen before. Um just because I I like to play weird pieces as as kind of my penchant at this point is. Um I built a career off of it, I guess. <laughs> and For sure. I also like that interaction where and I, I find like, sometimes it can be a little passive when you kind of wink into something secretly kind of really good. Um, but most of the time, it's it's still solvable for my opponent. So the fact that I'm not, like... I've said this many times on the show, I would rather lose a close match than win a blowout. 
for sure. I think a lot of people would agree with you on that. Um, even in a tournament setting, because I think close matches are a lot more fun just in general. And I think, for me, playing an interesting list um, that can still pull out a close match at times is is always the most fun for me. So out of curiosity, I want to dive into this kind of game a little bit and make sure that I understand is, is the, is the part that makes it fun? Is it like seeing how your opponent tries to solve the puzzle? Kind of like a, like a math teacher that writes an equation and is like class, like solve this. And they're Uh kind of like enjoying, like seeing the process or is it, like you, you tell me. Like, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I definitely like. Um, I I a little bit like the abject the the transition from abject confusion, of like you're running a list that is Crystal Agent Widow Scarlet Witch Hawkeye and Star Lord. What's going on here? <laughs> to like, oh, I see what you're doing, and now I have to see what start working around it to oh I figured out how to work around this this is what I need to do that like transition is is something that I enjoy seeing in people and also it's within that too um, it's also as a byproduct from that I have had many specific people um, the one I can think of off the top of my head is Sploosh um, who are like You've made me respect a character I didn't respect. Uh, Sploosh <laughs> apparently respects my Viper. Um, and I'm like, okay, then. That, that's, that is something that also, like, gets gets the dopamine hit for me. Is someone going like, yeah, no, you made me look at this character in a different light than I used to. Yeah, and, you know, I honestly don't think that that's that uncommon. I think especially when someone has a favorite character when they find a really cool way to make use of it and that character either turns around a game or like suddenly makes a game close that you didn't think it was going to be close or you know any any time that you can walk away from something and you're just like damn i uh you know i think i was actually watching a um a dizzard game and i was seeing how he was using honey badger and i was like all right, like, I'm, this is growing on me. It wasn't a game I was playing against him, so I wasn't the opponent. Yeah. But, you know, I see what you're saying there where, you know, when you're you're um, having an opportunity to, like, kind of showcase the strength of something um, in a really cool, unexpected way, mm-hmm. um, I can appreciate that. Because I know you are a, you're a movie buff and a show buff kind of on a similar level that I am. Uh, but I really like being surprised. And so oh. I don't like shows where I'm watching and I'm like, all right, I already know who the murderer is. I yeah. already know how they're going to solve it. And I like, I lose so much pleasure where I, I dated someone for multiple years and she loves predictability. She's like, <laughs> life is chaotic enough as it is. I want to watch the same show over again where I already know what's going to happen. I don't want surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, and so not everybody's the same. Yeah. And so I can see how in a, in the game setting that, you like presenting surprises. You like presenting situations that would be very different for your opponent. Um, so that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Uh, 
My my number one game, like my favorite game, is when my opponent and I have really just like put everything we could into our roster and our game plan. And there's a lot of thought that goes into every choice and it makes every round super interesting where every activation, you know, I'd say every, but you know, a lot of activations feel absolutely critical. And, you know, you just have one of those super close games where at the end of it, it's, you, you really honestly felt like it was the intelligent decision-making Mm-hmm. that led to the victory where you're um, like, I just remember some games where I'm just like at the end, I'm like, how do I, how do I, how do I pull myself out of this? It's so close. The game is going to end this round. Mm-hmm. What do I do? And then it's like, okay, black Panther pounces to this spot and then pushes this guy away with an attack and then long moves over here and then climbing gears and like barely gets to the point. And that should just perfectly make it six, 16 to 15. Yeah. Right. Or the vice versa, where you're like, you thought you had it in the bag, and then your opponent pulls off this really weird, like, set of motions, and you're like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, and uh, I think there was a criminal syndicate player at some point that used climbing gear in a way that I totally different didn't expect, and they relocated someone to a totally different spot, and I was like, oh. I was not expecting that play at all. So yeah, um, I think I actually agree with you more than I was expecting to in that. I do like it when my opponent surprises me with something like when they, yeah. they drop a tactic I didn't even think about. And so all of a sudden I'm like trying to solve that puzzle and go, Ooh, I hadn't even considered this board state. Yeah. And you've played about enough against me to know a good chunk of my fun tricks that I have in my bag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also like think about the game way more than the average person. So it can be hard to surprise me, but I yeah. appreciate it when, when someone does and i our last game i i could tell i don't know if you did that for me or not but i felt like our last game you went a little bit more try hard than you normally do and i was like it was a little weird still but i felt like you had a really good team like it didn't feel that spicy to me i was just like ooh, this is just a really cool interesting team with lots of good options i like this i didn't know if that was for me at all it's it's I've looked back at that game and I think I made a fundamental error in it. Um I I think looking at at the scenario we ended up playing I shouldn't have bought Loki. Um cuz I did just didn't have enough beat for your heal squad and I didn't have enough control to keep you off of the points, but that is a separate thing. I wasn't necessarily being try hard. It was like I've been wanting to play a little bit of convocation. I I have not tried MODOK since the update, so let's try MODOK. And then I just like Loki as a piece, so let's play Loki, was kind of my thought process. Maybe it just was that I liked all the characters that you were playing. Like, yeah. there was no characters that, uh, there was no characters in your team where I was like, I don't know if that person's going to do enough. But anyway, I, I, and then I just... Wong just punched above his weight class. <laughs> Dude, I've been having such problems with Wong. It's been crazy. Uh, the game against Bianca during our, our uh, like, a demo new player day. Yeah. Dude, her Wong face tanked my hood for, like, a whole round. <laughs> and it literally cost me the game. They're just, like, hood is just, like, standing, like, in Wong's face, being, like, rat-a-tat, going gangster. And just, Wong was, like, and? neoing it and just, like, ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Um, I've had some problems with Wong, but... Um, 
but yeah so um what's another what's another kind of game that ends up being a lot of fun for you so this is something that really only happens on the local level for me okay um because once you get to competitive level um it's a little different but i it's what i call a showcase game it's like there are times where i go up to players um and i'm like cool is this something you want to see played to to try playing against um and it's like recently i'm like uh, i was talking to the person it's like and they're like they mentioned not having kingpin it's like have you encountered a kingpin yet in the world have you like encountered criminal syndicate and seen what they do and they're like no okay cool so i'm going to play criminal syndicate and like show you this stick and get you aware of what they're trying to do and what it's possible to do with that and stuff or it's like have you faced this character yet? No. Cool. Let me play them and like show them off and kind of like show off what they can do. If that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. I actually, this was on my list of things to discuss anyway. Um, I was having, so as my uh, partner has been playing more and more MCP, she's starting to get more of the random conversations or things that I'll say, or she'll like look over at the phone and she'll like understand what I'm typing in Discord or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but something came up and we were talking about pay to flips, mm-hmm. and she clearly didn't understand how that kind of secure works because she hasn't played on it yet. Yeah. And I was like, well, let's just in our next game, we'll do a pay to flip just so you can have experienced it with me rather than potentially having your first time playing it being with someone else. Cause like abstractly just trying to explain it to someone mm-hmm. who's, you know, got less than 10 games under their belt anyway, yeah. um, wasn't clicking. So I'm mm-hmm. like, well, we'll do that. And then I was like, well, let's throw in a, an extract that you haven't played as well. So I just threw in legacy virus again, something where I was like, this can be crazy. I would rather yeah. she experience this with me now than go into some random game where someone's planned for it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and the game was like, crazy fun we got to see like oh here's the the side effects and you'd be you'd be so proud because we ended up setting up this moment where um uh quicksilver dazes um gambit so that he drops one of the legacy viruses quicksilver picks it up and then this is actually an awful decision on my part but then i have domino Days Quicksilver so that she gets the legacy virus. I'm like so crazy winning at this point because like there's been multiple portal flips that didn't go her way. I got two of the extracts and I'm like, as long as she can't get all three, then it's going to be fine. But I'm just like, all right, I'm going to see if I can kill Quicksilver. I'm going to make this hard. And Mm -hmm. Domino does it because she does Domino things. And there was literally a turn where I was like, She's got a bunch of power. Roll two skulls. I'll spend for four skulls. Get yeah. another skull. It was just like, so I blow Quicksilver off the table, but they were mm-hmm. like, oh, you get the Sam leadership, and we're blowing Sam with She-Hulk, and mm-hmm. She-Hulk's an Avenger, so she moves, Avengers assembles, and now she's standing next to Storm and Domino, who both have legacy viruses. Boom, one-shot Storm. Boom, one-shot one Domino. Then we're like, okay, so here's the thing. You're going to die as soon as you pick up the third one. Do you interact with the portal, mm-hmm. which will basically lock in a win. But if you interact with the portal and get a skull, your turn is done. You can't, you won't be able to pick up the third virus. And she's like, hmm, 
I can't take the risk because I have to get the viruses to even have a shot. So I'm not going to risk that one. There's still multiple things I can do to win. So then She-Hulk gets KO'd, but like suddenly now the score is like 15 to 14. Mm-hmm. And it came down to this like such little crazy plays with the portal and people interacting. And it just ended up being like the perfect showcase game. I really mm-hmm. like that term that you threw out. Yeah. Um, that it didn't really matter who won. She definitely walked away with a really good understanding of how a pay to flip works, the downsides of rolling the skull on some of the pay to flips and, mm-hmm. um, and understanding like how crazy, uh, legacy viruses and i just think i agree with you those sort of games can just be it can be a lot of fun to mm-hmm. help someone see that sort of thing and feel prepared for it in a you know in a comfortable learning environment yeah and and i am kind of an academic and a teacher at heart in a way so if you notice i am a lot more on the conceptual end of stuff with the things i enjoy from this game it is teaching people new things or showing off new stuff or or making them think about the game in a different way. I've been really enjoying the games with uh, Luke at Mox. Oh, yeah. When I recognized that he really wanted to focus on his X-Force Avengers roster. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool, this is a roster that I've never really worked on. Yeah. It would be, it was fun for me to continue helping him and be like, all right, well, now we've ended up in this situation. Like the last game that he and I played, um, he didn't, he couldn't put together, he actually won. He chose the wrong threat level. He could have made a better team at the 18 than the 17, but he chose 17. So we had an interesting discussion about maybe check your roster a little bit more before deciding on the threat level. I offered mm-hmm. to let him switch, but he wanted to stick with his decisions. Yeah. Um, and then we were talking about, oh, well, little changes you could do with your roster to like help you out. And I, I love being a part of those sort of like showcasing, like advancement demonstration yeah. mm-hmm. um, stuff where, because as a, as a very competitive minded player, I feel like I'm only as good as my opponents are and yeah. I'm only as good as my community is. And there's no way for me to level up if my community isn't leveling up with me. And mm-hmm. so I, I like to see everyone like, see their roster get more refined and like figure out like, Oh, well maybe if you try this character now in this slot instead. Yeah. Um, and I, know and that- I am, you are the angel and I am the devil on the shoulder of Luke <laughs> <laughs> at this point. Cause I'm like, Hey, you can play this thing and do this jank that probably won't win your games as much as whatever, uh, Omnis is telling you, but it'll be funny. <laughs> I'm not sure I like the idea that I'm the angel and you're the devil. I think I would prefer being the dark side. Um, but I can see the, I, I understand the analogy. Yeah. Um, but he purchased voodoo. And unfortunately his first voodoo game was on spider portals <laughs> against me. And I'm like, I'm staying away from voodoo. Screw that guy. I don't want to give him any power. Yeah. Um, but um but yeah, Luke is Luke is just a great opponent. Oh yeah, um, I have no idea if he listens or not and gets to uh, experience me talk about how cool he is. Well, uh, I I I've had him on recently on Morlocks. Yeah, it's just just a super nice guy. It's, oh, yeah. and I think that's part of why we're doing this episode is because the community is growing in such a way where it's not just X Wing players and War Machine players that are moving over to this. There are people that I haven't seen in the Washington miniature game community in over a decade suddenly mm-hmm. showing up at stores. Yeah. And there's people that I'm talking to that haven't even played a miniatures game before. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. And it's it's pulling in such a wide range of people that it's on all of us to build a, a cool, fun, welcoming, inclusive community. And that's where this, you know, think about what's fun for your opponent is so important. Yeah. This is tournaments are a very different thing than weeklies. And I think this conversation is much more apropos of a weekly meetup than a tournament. I think that's true, but I do think this is an important thing to keep in mind for any game. Yeah. Even in a tournament game where obviously everybody's agreed to play, you know, there's, there's maybe there's something on the line, even if it's not much, it's a $10 gift card or something, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot, but you're, you're really, you are coming out and you're trying to make the most of that experience. Yeah. And I think this is still an important thing to keep in mind. Um, like, I mean, this is from a different game, but I'll give an example. When I did a world team championship for War Machine, there's, I think in the third round, we were undefeated, but then we got a pair down. And so we were playing against a one in one team. Mm-hmm. And uh, one, I was playing against a listener. Mm-hmm. Two, there were very clearly like that year, America went first and third. And yeah. we were like kicking ass. And this game was not going well for my opponent, but I was very active about like talking about how cool their models were and like how great the paint jobs were and how much I liked his team. And you can, and I mean, maybe that comes across like you're just buttering someone up or like, yeah, but you can make it a positive experience. And we're going to get into this a little bit more, a little later in the episode when we're talking about when a game is going really rough for someone, Mm -hmm. um, what can help like still make that game fun? Cause yeah. you know, we are still playing a dice game and you have matchups and stuff that can go wrong. And I think that that discussion yeah. may be even more critical in a tournament where they don't want to walk away. Cause they're going to, they still have to wait for the next round anyway. Yeah. Um, but uh, I did want to throw out, there was one other uh, kind of game that I like a lot. And this is probably what I've been doing most of the time is there's so many interesting models. And maybe this is for me as a podcaster that I want to be able to talk with a certain opinion. And so I like testing stuff out. I try to play basically everything. Mm-hmm. And I've been playing a lot of X-Men lately, even though the larger community still thinks they're not fantastic, but I've been loving playing them. Yeah. And I definitely still think there's a, a level of enjoyment that just comes from um, being able to try stuff out and experiment. And maybe that sometimes you have to go, well, hey, this roster, I feel like to make this roster work, I have to have Black Order for these situations and then play X-Men in these situations. Could we play one of the situations where I feel like is right for X-Men? Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't want to play Black Order right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you get you get what I'm saying. That Just like sometimes you could have good discussions with your opponent about, oh, you're looking to try out, you just painted Cable. Well, let's try not to do a crisis that's awful for Cable. Yeah. Uh, or something sure. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely I enjoy testing games quite a bit and I think that mm-hmm. makes it really easy to do the community nights um, oh yeah uh, but I think this kind of like covers some of the our base examples of things for you to think about as a listener when you're sitting down to play a game with someone it, what kind of game are they wanting and think about that sort of thing and maybe you ask them maybe you don't know them well enough and so the best that you can do is try to gauge what would be fun for them based on what they're telling you and what they're playing. Maybe they just said, Oh man, I'm really excited. I just painted Hulkbuster or yeah. I just painted Dormammu or something. Yeah. Um, 
you just keep those sort of things in mind for their their overall um, enjoyment of the experience. So, uh, Alexa, do you want to give an example of something outside of what we've already said, where you're playing a game against someone and you realized what about that was fun for them or what they were trying to get out of the game that's different than what you or I wanted out of a game? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I am one of the least competitive-minded people in kind of the leader content creator scene. But because I'm going through, like, the discords and stuff when I play online, I tend to face against competitive-minded people. And it's... I've had games where I have realized where, where like my opponent has laid out their roster. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is a super competitive thing. And, and I get the joy out of that. If, if I get why people get joy out of it. It's not always my favorite thing to go up against. Um, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I think seeing the style clash, I think has been a thing that people have enjoyed. Uh, when facing me specifically, and I've had a number of people just come out and say, hey, you're one of my favorite opponents because I never know what you're bringing, and it's always an interesting challenge for my list, if that makes sense. That certainly does. Still, do you have any specific examples of a game where you're noticing, like, oh, this is what was making something particular fun for my opponent? I know, I'm putting you on the spot. I want examples. And my brain is is losing them quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, let me... So one of the things that pushed me towards doing this episode, um, I showed up at a store I'd never been to before. I didn't know anyone else who was there um, besides seeing a few of their posts and stuff online. So I didn't know any of them. And the first game, um, you know, I was just kind of like, people started pairing off and I was just like, hey, you want a game? And like, yeah, sure. And... Um, I immediately started to get a feel that they were a little bit on the newer side and they wanted to play X-Men, grabbing a lot of X-Men. And they're like, well, I need to adds a little bit more. And Shuri and Okoye were available from the stuff they were borrowing from. I'm like, oh, well, you know, Storm likes a bodyguard. Um, and, you know, Okoye has got good, good synergy. And a lot of the time, X-Men just want to build up power. So Shuri giving them a couple of re-rolls here and there can really, like, help the whole X-Men thing work. And... Um, they definitely did not want to do the normal like roster, uh, you know, mm-hmm. roll for crisis sort of thing. They they were not picking crisis cards. I was like, well, uh, X Men had just come out or the new X Men stuff. So I was like, hey, do you want to do the new uh, crisis that comes with Colossus and Magic uh, or the one that comes with Gambit and Rogue? Yes. And they're uh, like, yeah, yeah, sure. Superpowers um, duels. And then I forget what we were doing as the extract. I think it was. I think I just did grabbed hammers. Um, because that's, everybody you, loves the hammer. Everybody loves hammers. And then I was like 18 or 20 and they're like 20. And, uh, and I was like, at that time I like, I wanted to play test, um, uh, brotherhood. And it was very quickly going my way because like Gambit grabbed a hammer and backed up and like Toad got a hammer and got onto a point and, so then with mothership or sorry, brothership asteroid M, I was like in the middle of the board with like rogue juggernaut and Magneto pressuring into, into him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I started attacking Cyclops cause he was just like, seemed like the most opportune target. 
Um, And I didn't feel like at the time I was thinking, oh, that doesn't like pull anything really critical away from his team if like I go after. But he had a bodyguard. And so I, but I, unfortunately I one shot a Koye, so I couldn't push her away. And it set up in the situation where I couldn't actually kill Cyclops, but I ended up putting a couple of attacks into him. So he built up power and I could see it on his face in round two, when he gets to start like shooting Cyclops spenders and stuff all over the place. Yeah. He was playing the game to play Cyclops. Mm -hmm. That was his joy specifically. Everything else was secondary. And so I'm like, I'm so winning this game. Like it doesn't matter how the rest of the game goes because he, none of his characters are anywhere close to dealing with Gambit and Togue. And they're just like gaining me four VPs around and there's this whole massive fight in the middle. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to ignore Cyclops to make sure that he always gets to have his Cyclops activations. Yeah. And I'm going to focus on other things and see what, you know, see what Juggernaut and, and Rogue do in these different situations and start experimenting with all of their powers because that would be fun for me without detracting from what was fun for him. Yeah. And, and so that was one of the things, cause you and I had like had a conversation about it a few days earlier. Mm-hmm. Then I had this game, I'm like, man, this is such a perfect example of realizing in the moment, oh, this is what's fun for my opponent. Let me make sure that they still get to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Cause obviously I could have been a dick and been like, all right, I'm going to daze and then KO Cyclops. Fuck that dude. Yeah. But I'm now, I'm really glad that the way that the dice went at first, it didn't immediately daze Cyclops. And so um and i gave him just enough power that he got to like do his beam thing um mm-hmm. and so that was that was definitely a moment where i was like oh this this like could totally make the difference for this person like how much they enjoyed playing me how much they enjoyed playing yeah. mcp they just got to do cyclops stuff mm-hmm. so i may be misattributing this story okay. um cuz it has been a hot minute since it happened but i'm pretty sure i was facing hyper viper okay Pretty sure, not 100% sure, but I think that's... Uh, so, if one of the other major community members come out and goes, no, that was me, probably believe them, because my memory's... Eh. <laughs> but we were playing um, a match, and it was 14 points, and uh, maybe 15. It was it was a low point value. Uh, and I was playing my Death and Taxes list, and... Uh, my opponent was playing Avengers. And I'm like, okay, I, I think I want to go tall here. And and not expecting my opponent to also go tall. And it was uh, Hulk and two other people versus uh, a Cassandra Nova Enchantress. Uh, it was Cassandra Nova Enchantress Loki was a gem, was my team. That sounds crazy. Versus a Hulk and two other guys. And just, I didn't realize it until part of the way through the game, but it, one of the things, like, I committed to one side of the board, and his Hulk, and I just had Enchantress on the side of the board, and then he set down Hulk against Enchantress, and he just having so much fun, even, even though he ended up winning the game uh, by inches, but his his Hulk just took out the trash on Enchantress, and he was having the best time with it. <laughs> oh. And he's like, I just love New Hulk. I just I want to play New Hulk in every list, any point value. Um, that I mean that sounds like Hyper Viper. <laughs> that sounds like Hyper Viper, which is why I'm pretty sure it was him. But I'm not a hundred percent sure it was him. Um, so yeah, that that is one. There there are a lot of people who like very specific characters and want to see them shine. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a that's an easy thing to keep in mind that people have favorite characters and they want to, you know, maybe it's as I described earlier in a testing game, you know, uh, obviously I might enjoy the game less if like the characters I specifically wanted to test out just get roasted right away. Yeah. Um, But when you're in a testing game and maybe two or three of the characters you've played a lot and one of them gets roasted, it's like, eh, no big deal. I someone's going to die. Yeah. Um, but it would be super unfun if you're like, oh, this is my first game with Rogue, and then Rogue just gets wrecked. Well, and it's also a thing that I think I want to mention about this is not just what happens on the board, but also how we talk about stuff. Um, this is something that I've known to discourage other people. I kind of get a, a uh, determination when I hear this phrase, uh, but when I lay out uh characters and and someone goes why are you playing that character that character sucks <laughs> I, I, I promise I, i've only said that to you like seven or eight times and how many times have i made you pay for those ones <laughs> probably seven or eight times <laughs> um i'm in a weird spot because i actually think sometimes so when i did the war machine stuff i was very much the person who was constantly trying to innovate and like, oh no, I'm going to switch and play this, even though everyone thinks that this is better. And I'm going to show you why I think there are good situations for this, or maybe this actually is better. And I did it and I did it on like a high level. (laughs) And, but in, uh, and so in that I was well known, like people would say like, oh, you were just like a fanboy and everything is good. I had to have like my few examples where I'm like, I think that thing is trash. And then like 95% of the stuff is good. But I feel like in MCP, almost everybody says that just everything is good all the time. And I was like, okay, somebody has to, somebody has to like kind of point, like not everything is exactly in the middle. Come on. And so I feel like I'd be a little bit more hot taking now than I used to be. Um, I try to do it in fun ways. And Mm -hmm. even I just, I said, uh, Amazing Spider-Man is trash the other day and I admitted to being slightly hyperbolic. Uh, but Morgan Reed um, tagged me and he was like, hey, you know, just I don't think he's optimal in a lot of situations. I have been watching Farmer play these games with him as his leader and it's like looks pretty interesting and like pretty strong. Like I was like, OK, well, you know, and I went and watched one of the games today. I'm like, OK, that does seem pretty obnoxious, constantly slowing like his opponent spent most of the game with everybody slowed and being moved off points for auto powers. Not everyone would enjoy that kind of game. Maybe yeah. I would. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm willing to also shift my opinion when, when I'm yeah. proven incorrect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as, as I kind of mentioned before, that phrase is like a, a seed of determination to prove people <laughs> wrong to me. Uh, but there is a reason that in the danger room discord, whenever agent widow comes up, um, of like, hey, where can I play Agent Widow? The immediate response from at least Xavier is to at me directly. <laughs> <laughs> I I like Agent Widow. I don't think there's oh, anything yeah. wrong with her character. I think she's one that uh, um, could definitely do do with I, some more love. I think love. Shield is going to give her such space. I almost wish that the um, like Luke Cage and Iron Fist and stuff hadn't been Avengers, because if it hadn't been for them, I think she could have popped up in Sam Avengers teams, like, pretty regularly. I think she's a really solid character so, that you could easily swap in to one of those yeah. spots. 
I don't actually think there's anything wrong with her card. Like there are other characters. Where I just think that they are not worth their threat value. I don't think that's actually widows widow more suffers from the, the, you know, like, Oh, well there's all these great options. Which one do I take? Yeah. Um, uh, but there's a lot, there are, even though I get hot takey and I say, I think this character is not worth taking in 99% of situations, which is my nice way of saying that they suck. Um, I think there's a lot of characters that are not being taken very much. No, I think, I think there will always be great bosses that we are missing just because. Well, I think one of the big things with MCP is in a lot of cases, most of the things that we thought were going to be overpowered right away, were not actually overpowered. Mm -hmm. And a lot of things that people thought were relatively met or even bad at first proved to be amazing. Like Wakanda was rated very poorly by the community upon its release. And it became extremely dominant for a long time. Yeah. A lot of people like Corvus at first, until you saw the reality stone, Corvus didn't look that great. And And then you saw the reality stone and went, Oh, right. There's other pieces that come in. And like a lot of people didn't think Sam was that great Mm -hmm. when he first came out. And there's, there's a lot to it that is, is not always easy to pick up until it's on the, like I thought Dr. Strange was trash mm-hmm. when he first came out. I'm like, this guy is not survivable enough for a five. And I was actually listening to Pat Dunford talk about him and how he had thought the same thing and then was playing him and proved to be very different. I'm like, all right, I'm going to put him on the table. And now he's might be my favorite character in the whole game. Mm-hmm. And it's, it just goes to show that it's, it's hard to pick up some, some of that stuff, but, yeah, I'm going to pull us back into the primary topic. Uh-huh. Um, you and I were just talking about how, you know, you didn't like when someone says that something sucks. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to mention that you can actively, not you, Lexa, but like at, any person can make a game really unfun by putting someone in a situation where they're just like, you've got to prove it. And mm-hmm. um I was just having a conversation with Dizzard about his first three um, uh, games in this TTS season. And he had to put a lot of pressure on himself to kind of like prove that X-Force was worthy and like just do well with Mm X-Force. And, um, and it reminded me at point in times in like my war machine career where I felt like almost every game, it was really hard for me to switch off and do some spicier stuff at times. Mm -hmm. Cause I almost always felt like I, like I remember going down to a Portland event and I brought like super spicy teams. Unlike every, like I was playing a new thing that everybody thought was bad and it was not great, but all of a sudden all my other Washington people lost round one. <laughs> we can't come down here again. I totally wrecked. I was playing silly stuff at this event and I'm the only one in the winner's bracket. God damn it. Mm-hmm. Um, my, But the, the point is, is like, you and some of that can come from just be like oh this affiliation sucks and like putting someone in a spot where like they're putting a lot of additional pressure on themselves to like (laughs) they need to win to prove that what they're doing is worth playing and i would just say try to avoid putting people into that situation yeah you know i would much rather help someone make the most of it like you if someone's playing something that's underpowered, they probably know it. And you don't have to rub it in. <laughs> yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, if someone's constantly complaining that they never win and they like they they feel completely disadvantaged, you know, like sometimes you may have to set someone down and be like, "Hey, your 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 roster is not that great." Yeah, <laughs> like you, you know, and you know, you maybe you have to have that that hard that hard talk. But mm-hmm. if someone just loves an affiliation, like help them out. And go yeah. okay. Well, you know, maybe you just need to switch out this tactics card, and like this key character really like helps round out this team's plan. You know, you know, include that character. Do four affiliated in Zemo or something, and um, and then it, it all kind of like starts working together. And oh, you yeah. want to play an offensive team? Great, just include Blind Obsession as one of your tactics cards, and then that'll like help Cable blow the crap out of people, or oh, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. I think that's so much better than just being like that sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. Do you have any other examples that you wanted to throw out of things that you noticed that's just fun for someone's game outside of, um, you know, wanting to play specific models? Uh, so I also want to go to a example, um, from not a normal game from, I I've told this story already, but from our separation anxiety game, uh, when me and Luke had our force off, (laughs) <laughs> and it's like one joke or something like that in a game can completely turn around how the enjoyment of a game is going and like we contextualize things at time if that makes sense yeah no that makes that makes total sense like getting to uh getting to resolve some grudges yeah <laughs> like that can be that can be super fun um you know, you want to go go all out on somebody, like, and it can be particularly fun in like um, separation anxiety, where you don't have a direct opponent, but you have already decided. You're like, I'm gonna wreck Omnis because he's yes. gotten me so many times. He doesn't know he's my opponent. He's gonna find out. Yeah, I think next separation anxiety game, I am going to go directly for you because you get like a free pass for two turns. The last two games we've got it. I know. I, I was like, that's ha- that literally has happened where like almost nobody's come after me. Now, mind you, I think the first game, like Cable came after me a little bit, and Doctor Strange was like, "No, push you away, stay away from me." Yeah. But that that uh, that Doctor Strange game, I actually didn't enjoy it that much because I was like, I had this like. I want to try to heal as much so that I get to keep my characters as long. Cause the last game went super long yeah. and I was just thinking, Oh, there's so much gradual damage. I just want to keep characters up and going and have activations. That's what I was thinking would be fun. But then I got totally ignored. Because like, She-Hulk well, went over and fought Cable. <laughs> yes. Because both of the people to my left and right were fighting each other in the middle. Yeah. Um, um, and then that other game, we had to, like, devise a rude Goldberg machine to stop you from winning. <laughs> yes, it was. All right. Well, I'm going to, you know, um, they the character had the card that gives them, like, the enhanced agility, uh, you know, deep parting shot. It gives them parting yes. shot. And so they, like, parting shot into range of the Sinister Traps to have you push them... <laughs> Yeah. into uh uh into range of me and it like all had to go perfectly fine they like took like no damage in the process it was absolutely hilarious uh-huh. um which then set them up to like one shot star lord it was it was yes. it was an adorable plan and i appreciated that three players worked together to have a chance at stopping uh, me from winning and um, we did because i ended up winning that game 
Yeah, but like it was still close. Like it wasn't yeah. It, it. Yeah, it was like sixteen to fifteen or something. Mm-hmm. All said and done at the end, like yeah, uh, it was it was awesome. Um, uh, I was going to point out. So um, sometimes uh, players just want to throw stuff. This is like one of the yeah. few games where you can throw stuff, and it's like really impactful. Oh yeah. Um, and so that could be a thing. And I'm not saying like necessarily like oh, just don't bring indomitable. Um, but maybe that's just something that you keep in mind. Like some people like love throwing terrain, so that might mean. Uh-huh bring extra terrain for the mat. Oh yeah. Right. Like that could be a thing that makes the difference for your opponent. I'm going to have a few extra things, or maybe you position the board and you put more twos, threes and fours, like in the middle of the board. So there's lots of cool things or you're like, you know what the crisis is going to be. So you make sure that there's lots of big terrain pieces that can be thrown, um, you know, near every spot where there's going to be fighting. Cause you know, that'll be fun for your opponent. Oh yeah. So let's see, was there anything else on my list? Um, Oh, let's talk a little bit about like when something is going rough for your opponent. Like say you're playing against someone and their, their dice are crapping out on them. What do you usually do to try to make sure that the opponent stays invested and stays having fun? So it's, it's the the difference between how you deal with this on a local level and how you deal with this on a tournament level. Cause I think on a local level, if you have really bad dice or really set up, and I think our last game is a really good example of this, sometimes you just re-rack. Sometimes, if it's like turn two and everything's gone horribly and there's no chance of winning, sometimes you just go, okay, this is a wash, let's go to a new game, and like reset yourself that way. Um, but that's not always an option in a tournament play, and I'm not sure about the tournament answer because I don't play enough of them. That's okay. Well, I can I can touch on the the tournament answer. Um, what do you think are outside of re racking? What do you so say you're in a game and you want to you do want to get to the end of it for yeah. whatever reason? You know, part of it just people should see the ending of games. I do think there are some people who quit games too early. Like I was watching a game um, that I was sure I think it was on the Von Dockmore Gaming Channel, yeah. and I was sure from like turn two i'm like i don't know how criminal syndicate is going to be able to come back from this they're like so far behind and they came back and won yeah and it was a slow subtle process that all of a sudden on like turn five or six they were able to come back and they just barely stopped their opponent from getting the last point that they needed to win and 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 sometimes like those are some of the best games. Yeah. And so you don't want to deprive yourself or your opponent of that. Um, so yes, there are definitely some games where you just like it it's gonna be such a crazy uphill battle that you uh-huh. would need such crazy dice to like make a win feasible that it's not even really enjoyable. Yeah. But don't quit too early. But anyway. Uh, aside from uh, a tournament game, what would what be some ways that you would help um, a continuing game still stay fun for your opponent that's been having some trouble? So I, I, I know how I keep my games fun when I am having trouble. And I don't know really how to do that this for my opponent, but like many objectives for me. Sometimes it's a point of pride just to get that one piece off the table. Even if you're not winning the game. Hey, I killed Cable. Well, I think that's a perfectly valid suggestion for an opponent, especially if things have gone like a poor turn. You can be like, hey, I know the score isn't looking good for this turn. Do you want to see if you can wreck Zemo, though? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, Zemo's caused you all sorts of problems. Do you want vengeance and just get him KO'd? Oh, yeah. 
Um, and sometimes that is just the most satisfying thing. Yeah, like, I think the mini goal is a great suggestion, mm-hmm. and I mean that could even apply to uh, uh, a, apply to a tournament game because that's still like say you're a competitive minded person who's trying to get better and who wants to push from going X and two to you know uh, X and one, mm-hmm. and sometimes the little goals help you get there. And so say when you're losing, you're gonna have a goal like, all right, I know I've lost this game. I want to get it where it's like, I don't want to lose by more than three points. Yeah. Or you're just like, all right, I'm going to see how close I, I know I'm going to lose, but I'm going to see how close I can get to KOing their whole team. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, just any of those things. I think creating mini goals is a great and you could suggest that to your opponent. I don't think that's a rude thing to do. Like, hey, I know this is getting rough. Um, you know, you could potentially like go for this or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I'm thinking about um, is kind of a double-edged sword in a way. Uh, but it's uh, I tend, the further in the lead I am, the more risky I'm willing to play, if that makes sense. Or, yes. like... If it's a close game, I will play more conservative. But if, if I'm either winning by a lot or losing by a lot, I will go for big plays that may or may not work. And if they work, they end the game quickly and get you to an end of the game that also gets you into a new game. But if they don't work, they open up opportunities for your opponent to gain advantage because you didn't drag out the game playing conservatively. It's crazy how much you can come back in MCP. Like It oh, almost yeah. seems like there are times where... You know, even sometimes conservative play leads towards uh sometimes I actually feel bad when I go for the risky play and then it like super pays off. Oh yeah. And I'm like, oh wow, this got even more one-sided. Where sometimes I'm like, all right, I'm gonna be a little conservative and like, you know, you know, rather than just like, well, if I leave this person on this point and they tank those attacks, like this game is over. Or I'm like, all right, I'm gonna run away. It would be a little conservative, but it like slows down the score a little bit. Um I think either route can potentially like, mm-hmm. um, you know, be good. But uh, I definitely, when my opponent's down for it, I love like dissecting into the strategy. I'm like, all oh, right, yeah. this is like, then I think we already talked about it a little bit with the mini goals. And it's like, okay, if we're going to have another round, you've got to stop me from scoring three. Here are the best spots for you to do it to like, maybe if you get the days on this person and then that changes like, you know, the order, you know, just like, I think if you get the days here, you could set it up and stop me from winning this round and like that sort of thing. Um, and I still really enjoy those things, even though like sometimes it can backfire and it can lose me yeah. games. Uh, I, I enjoy those moments because honestly, it makes it harder for me too. Mm-hmm. And I want to caution people about this. You have to do go about it in the right way. Um, for sure. Because it is one of those things that can easily turn into sounding condescending, if that makes sense. One hundred percent. It's it's definitely something you got to be mindful of. You don't want to. Yeah. And I mean, we all have different levels of communication skills. Lex and I podcast, so hopefully we can manage it without coming across like an asshole. But yeah, there's two people in a conversation, and everybody interprets things a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um. So. By the way, I just hope that this whole episode helps helps listeners just grow communities and stuff is really fundamentally what it's about and keep mm-hmm. people coming back and keep people because every game you there very rarely is there a true tie 
like it can certainly happen on occasion, but yeah. Um, I think you want everybody having fun mm-hmm. and you want people coming back. You want them getting excited about the games. Um, and I think also you know, there have been times at events where I've straight up been like, all right, that game went awful for you. Can I buy you a beer? Yeah. And that's, that's something you can't always do. Yeah. But it definitely you doesn't do. fit every situation. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, and it's just like, make it fun. And um, uh, I, I there's definitely been games where I'm just, I've felt bad afterwards. Like, man, nothing my opponent did worked out for them. They didn't realize that I had this counter to that play. And then this dice roll went bad for them. And yeah. And then everything, they just couldn't have plans go their way. And even though I was a little like, oh, you look like you were just out. Let's just leave you in. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, we weren't close enough on the measurements. Let's count that you're in. But like some of those little things, it's still not enough to make them enjoy the game. And so I will try to take the route of like, let's have an enjoyable discussion afterwards. And sometimes you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, whether you offer to buy someone a beer or you're talking about like, Oh, you know, the, the, the plan didn't work out quite right. But honestly, I really liked your team and like this combo, when you got these two characters over here, that actually, that had me really concerned. And I was trying to like figure out a plan. And so I really, you made me, think about like how I was going to like solve that puzzle and maybe have some of those discussions. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, uh, Nate, who's one of our locals. um, Yeah. He he keeps talking about how he doesn't feel like Loki's good. And it made me realize that when I played against him and he played Loki and in my head the whole time, I'm like, Loki is so frustrating for me right now. Like there's, and there were so many things that I wanted to do that I couldn't, but I wasn't verbalizing that to him. Yeah. And so I think sometimes when you can talk about things afterwards where they didn't realize how good of a play they did because you eventually did find a way to solve it, but you could talk about that sort of thing. You're like, Mm -hmm. Hey, I know that didn't quite work out into a score, but you really had racking my brain trying to figure out what was I going to do about that play. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that can still like, even if someone got a loss, I think when you do it with, when you do it, honestly, I think, that kind of support can make it make it feel like it wasn't a total loss. Yeah, for sure. All right, Lexa. I think what I'd like to do here is I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears just a little bit. Uh, there's been another show that's come out somewhat recently. This was uh, an episode from Alfredo's Size Three Taco Truck, a Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast. It's a very mm-hmm. long name, but they. Yeah. I think it's Vince who likes likes the whole thing. So I, I, I'll do my best. Yeah. All right. So Alfredo's podcast. <laughs> um, they did an episode and one of their main topics is kind of a, a sister topic to what we're talking about. Um, would you would you say it was fair to to say that their topic was essentially does negative play experience actually exist? Is that kind of your takeaway from the episode? Yes and no. Okay. Uh, How would you describe it? I think it was a one-two punch of them talking about and trying to reason if any of the things currently in MCP are negative play experiences or intended design. Um, and two, um, 
and, and specifically within that, talking about where does the line between something that is challenging go to something that is a negative play experience? Um, because I think they were very conclusive in the opening remarks about how there can be negative play experiences, and they were talking about things like uh, FDKs, turn one kills in Magic, um, and some War Machine stuff that I did not understand, but <laughs> they apparently yeah. did. Yeah, um, I, I think I, I, I agree. I don't want to say that's a really succinct way of explaining it. Um, I think it, it, describing it as like the one-two punch. Obviously, they came out with this really like bludgeoning <laughs> point. Yeah, and but at the same time, like their core concept, right? Obviously, negative play experiences exist, yeah. but I do think there's obviously the downside of blaming someone for playing the game the way that it's meant to be played, right? I know that yes. some people, for example, don't like when someone runs away with an extract, right? Mm-hmm. Some people consider that negative, but to a certain extent, that is also part of the way that the game is designed, mm-hmm. and also. The, the dice being intentionally swingy, that is part of the game design. So yeah. if you complain that someone was able to like have this crazy comeback win, the dice are meant to facilitate those situations so that they're, the game is never really over till it's over. Yeah. Um, to use a magic situation, because I feel like maybe magic is the one that most people have played, right? There's obviously lots of ways to win a game of magic, but I think everyone's come to the agreement that land destruction sucks. <laughs> And nobody wants to play a game where every time you play a land, it just gets destroyed. <laughs> That's not a fun game. That is a negative play experience. And it feels like even though there's they, they sprinkle in some cards here and there, they try to intentionally make it that nobody's, in most cases, people aren't going to play a land destruction deck. That's not meant to be the yeah. viable strategy. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that? Yes. And so I think that's where you where you draw the line. And they're probably right that people use the term negative play experience almost any time that there's something that they don't like. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I know when I've participated in a- assisting companies in balancing some part of a miniatures game, there is definitely a discussion about negative play experience. It's like, hey, does this create a negative play experience? Does it need to be fixed? And that's different than saying, is this too good or is this too bad, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Um even if you win a game against a land destruction deck, it's just not fun. Yes. And so that's something to keep in mind. Um, but I know you also work on a lot of um, fan-created content and stuff. So, I mean, I feel, yeah. like, uh, I feel like negative play experience is something that you actually have to keep in mind. Yes. Um, and it's, it's something you really have to be aware of, especially in crisis creation in this game. Crisis creation is the easiest place when you can create negative play experience. Um, I think I would agree with that. Because you have to balance it around the fact that generally you want your secure to be worth more than your extract. Is that something that they're trying to do? I don't I don't know if that's the case or not. I mean, I don't well, really know. It's it's uh how do I fit this? If you want the player to engage in the game in any way that creates inherent conflict, your secure needs to be worth more than your extract or was close enough that a person partially winning on extract cannot completely ignore the secure. 
I think that's fair in most cases. I do think we end up with some combinations that may not be necessarily yes. true, but obviously Gamma is the highest scoring of any mm -hmm. of the crisis, and that is a secure. And all of the lowest scoring are all extracts. And so yes. on average, they do seem to be keeping the extracts a little bit lower. Yes, um, and I think that is entirely intentional. Yes, probably the case. Um, and I think there's also, there'd be a balancing act to that right of going, uh, you can't make the secure so hard to score that you actually stop the engagement. Yes. Um, you can't be like, all right, we're going to put one secure right in front of your uh, your opponent's deployment zone. That's the only one you can score. Like you couldn't do Terrigen Mists, but like stick that you can only score the opposite one that's on your opponent's side. Cause then you just yeah. kind of, uh, then you're just going to create a full attrition game and not actually have a crisis. Yeah. So, but we don't have to get dig too deeply into a uh, crisis design. Uh -huh. um, but I do think they just, it was, it was an interesting discussion point. Right. And yeah. I, I don't like it when, you see a player, you know, like obviously Black Order is a little overpowered right now. I think that's a yes. fair statement to make. But even though like I don't really want to play that play style and I'm sick of watching it, I don't uh -huh. blame someone who wants to play uh, like a powerful, brawly, tall, lower model count team. And so that uh -huh. play style appeals to them. It just happens to also be very good. I don't blame them. That's not a negative play experience. That's they're playing strong stuff. Yes. And I think there were a number of points in their conversations that I want to bring up about Blackwater specifically. Because as it. they admitted, if anything in there is going to be a negative play experience, it's going to be Blackwater. And I am on the side that it just crosses the line. Is uh, there a particular part of it? Like, is it, it might. I don't know if it's Thanos being able to like move the world or yeah. if it's the being able to daze someone immediately around one maintain priority and then KO them before they get to activate. Or is it just the combination of everything? So uh, I'm going to go on a slight tangent. Um, <laughs> you tangent. No. But the, it has a point. Um, there is this idea of uh, in fighting games of, how do you balance the grappler? Uh, and for those that don't know, grapplers are super powerful characters that need to get in close to deal their damage, but when they do, they deal a lot of damage. At pure damage output, they are the highest damage in the game. But they have to be... But it's about creating the situation in which you can deal those, that damage. Um, is the challenge for them, not the ability to do damage. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Wizards of the Coast Star Wars minis had kind of the opposite problem. That outside of like one weird key situation where you could like have Thrawn teleport in Darth Vader and then teleport him out. Most of the time the melee characters were not very good. And it, like huh. the game was vastly controlled by the shooters that prevent the melee character from ever getting in there and getting to do good damage up close. Yeah. So it's... There is an idea about the grappler, about how the worst environment a fighting game can be in, and, and this is some people's opinion, this is not everybody's opinion, this is a reduction of a long academic discussion about game design here.
But one of the worst places you can be as a fighting game is to have the grappler be the most powerful thing. Because the idea is with the grappler that they counter a lot of... They... They counter the fundamentals and take specialty things to counter. They need fireball. You need to keep them out with fireballs or mobility. Um, and they generally beat out most of the other fundamental options of the game. And so you need to balance them accordingly where even if you're playing on that fundamental plane, you can have a parlay with them and still have, have competition. And having someone who can break the fundamental rules of the game at the most basic state be the most powerful thing in the thing suddenly makes it so that you don't have fundamental rules. And I think Black Order, between its massive range of threat, its presence of threat, and its ability to ignore, through husband and wife, the priority system, are a group that fundamentally breaks the basic rules, the foundational rules of the game. And if... And they are, and so when that is overtuned, it can feel oppressive in a way that isn't fun. In the same way that a grappler who is overtuned can feel oppressive to a player that feels like, I came here to play uh, Marvel, Marvel Crisis Protocol. And I'm not playing Marvel Crisis Protocol. I am playing Blackwater. Because <laughs> yeah, they you're, are a you're, game you're unto wrong. themselves. On the on the flip side of it, like obviously, I mean, I'm kind of like a little bit more into like the wider control team and that sort of thing. But they are really the only team that gets away with playing three wide in a vast array of situations, right? Like, there's a few mm-hmm. here and there. Like, occasionally, a force can do it, and maybe there's some situations where Brotherhood can do it. But for the most part, in competitive MCP, it's like Black Order can do this. Don't try to build a three-character team with almost anyone else. And so it may just be that thing that, like, balancing that is so hard. Because either it doesn't work, or it works really fucking well. Yeah. And uh, I would like it to stay, right? I don't want this to be something where Lex and I are saying you know, this this shouldn't exist because I think mm-hmm. the concept of Black Order is very cool. And the concept of this, like, low model count, um, really aggressive team is is super cool. I think you have to have this, like, mixture of offensiveness and the ability, like, some, like, consistency in that mm-hmm. and, like, some level of control in there as well to, like, mitigate the fact that you don't have very many characters. Yeah. But it probably shouldn't be quite as good as what Black Order currently uh-huh. is. Yeah. So it's, but, it's oh, Black Order to not feel oppressive needs to be a B or a C and not an A. Well, I would say it's probably an S tier and it should like maybe be yeah. an A minus. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's semantical. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I think to bring it back to the point about negative negative play experience is well, the main thing is, is don't blame a player for enjoying oh, yeah. the play style. 
it's it's really the game developer's fault if they've intentionally put something in that ends up being too powerful. Because um, obviously, they made Corvus and Proxima so that they could activate each other. That was supposed to be part of it. And clearly, yeah. they made Corvus so that he would be consistent. And they wanted to make 8-point Thanos feel worth it on the table. Uh-huh. And it's just all of these things in conjunction... And that's, it's honestly, it's not an easy, I don't know exactly what that slight tweak is because they tried it a bit with Corvus, right? And they downplayed the, the way that the time gem was working and, but it's still not quite enough. They're really good. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's to the point that if, if someone, if someone was like, Hey, Charles, I want to figure out how to be like really competitive and I want to make this roster. I'll be like the number one, most important thing that you have to do is figure out what the fuck you're going to do against black order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, anyway, huge shout out to, uh, um, to Alfredo's size three taco truck, just yeah. making great content. I think they, they brought up a, a great discussion point. And even though it wasn't directly in line with our, you know, uh, what's fun for your opponent, I think it is important to keep in mind, you know, what's what's like truly a negative play experience and what's just like your like not your favorite game. Like I was just watching um, one of Norbert's streams and is this crazy game, just crazy game of Black Order versus Wakanda with Thanos. And it was one of the most crazy brawly games I've ever seen. And the Wakanda player Blake just consecutively chose violence (laughs) and i'm like this was one of the most entertaining games i've ever watched i would just never want to play it i do not want to be either of these players um and so yeah it's uh i just think it's a it's a good thing to keep in mind um because i mean there's i think i think uh drop off generate was drop off a negative play experience. I think it was more of a negative building experience where you're just like, well, I've got to like work in a flyer just so that I can use drop off. Cause drop off is so good. Well, and, and I think, I think drop off more specifically was a negative experience for the designers. Yes. I think it was also negative from a roster building perspective, but, um, um, I think enchantress was a good example of just a full on, not just overpowered, but also a negative play experience. Like, oh, she goes last. She beams a bunch of people. She moves everyone off points. Like, it's it's legitimately not fun. My example that I pull out, and I think this is the most glaring and obvious example, was Dash God. Okay, fair. Yeah, so for the listeners, we're we're talking about um, um, using hired muscle to... uh, to grab to grab the evacuee safely, which is which is funny because I recorded a bunch of episodes about going after the evac prior to hired muscle and all the ways I was trying to do that as successfully as possible, and then hired muscle came out and it was just like the the better easier way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think that's it. Comes back to like designing extracts is hard, right? Oh yeah. It's something where you've got to make it interesting and impactful, mm-hmm. but feel like there's decision-making that that goes into it, but then that yeah. decision-making can't be so good that it takes over the game. So, and it's, it's uh, if you go back to the Imperial Cool event, 
which was the event that they ran for the last mini extravaganza. You can really see them experimenting with their extracts. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what's the. It'll be interesting to see what else we get extract wise and what they've what they've learned from it and where's the future of it. Uh, I still haven't decided if I love or hate researcher. Very fair. Um, all right. Well, Lexa, as always, I appreciate you coming on and recording with me. Do you want to do a, do a shout out of the, the Morlock shenanigans for people? Yes. So if you want to talk about the jank, uh, hashtag <laughs> the, the jank. Uh, I, I sadly am not quite the jank tank. Um, I, I think that is officially advanced R&D. It's the jank tank. <laughs> I know uh, they have specific janky fish. You have all of the fish. All yes. of the fish are welcome in your tank. Oh yes. Very much so. It's it's um I've had this conversation with the advanced RD people, both the uh when I've been on there and when they have been on my show, of how um we are two different sides of the coin coming at the same problem. They cut off the top and I try and bubble up the bottom. That is 100% accurate. Yeah. And so it's it's with two different sides of the same coin. I respect them immensely. Go check them out, too. Um, I think all the content that's being made is fantastic. So, just, Whoa, whoa, whoa. I can't just have you talk about respecting Merzane on my podcast. Like, let's not go <laughs> that far. Uh, you know, <laughs> love you, Merzane. <laughs> um, but... Um, but my specific podcast, we are we build a list around a specific character each week, um, and it is uh, Morlock's MCP dot uh, dot com. I don't remember the way. You can find me on all major platforms as Morlock's MCP or just Morlock's, um, and I officially put it out to Podbean if that matters to you. Also, we are coming up rapidly, um, and I'm doing an open casting call for this, kind of, uh, on Leader Out of Their Own Affiliation Month. So if there's a leader you guys want to talk about bringing into an affiliation that is not their own, um, yeah, reach out to me on Discord. Nice. And also, listeners, you can just type in Morlocks into Spotify, and you will get Morlocks. Yes, and I love my logo so much. Oh my god. It is it is a pretty sweet who did your logo? Uh just a friend of mine. One second. I tag him. He's in uh, if you open up any description, the name will be down there. Um mm, doesn't show up in uh the generic description on uh Oh, logo designed by Ray and Meyer. It's in the episode description, but it wasn't in the, the podcast description. Yeah, no, I, I put it it's part of my copy paste for mm-hmm. every episode description. I should probably do more of that myself. Yeah. I, I literally have just like a text document that is like, here's the copy paste. Here's a couple spaces where I can put whatever my guest wants me to shout out here. And ta-da. Yep. Makes perfect sense. Yes. All right. Well, listeners, you should absolutely check out uh, Morlocks. Obviously, I did uh, an episode back in the day. Uh, it was Peter Parker, right? That was yes. that was my, Morlocks, my Peter dude. Parker. Um. At one point, I will do another one. There are still some 
much loved characters in my heart that the rest of the community looks uh-huh. down upon. I I, I know we have one. been dancing around a Ronin episode for a while. I would it's... totally do a Ronin episode. I like oh uh, he's one I sometimes I feel like the community is trolling me when people are like, oh I built this Guardians roster and it's got like every Guardian except Ronin. And it's like I am like seething on the inside. I'm like mm-hmm. how do you leave out Ronin out of a Guardians roster? So Internal to Guardians, I think it makes sense because they don't like their high threat pieces. Um, but I also get it. Yeah, there are an occasional, if you're building super wide, I can see why he may not fit in all of them. But he's not fundamentally a bad piece, and I like him quite oh, yeah. a bit. And I think the, I like him too. I think there will. I think he's a character that will come around, and there will be meta moments where he's he is quite good. Um, and honestly, I think he's he's potentially very good in this existing meta. And oh yeah, um, I actually think that uh, uh, Criminal Syndicate may be a really good spot for him um, mm-hmm. with Shadowlands Daredevil in the future. Ooh, but that's a yeah. totally different topic. Um, uh-huh. But actually, I would totally do that. That could be the whole episode. Like, can I build a Criminal Syndicate roster around uh, Ronan? Because I would totally do that. that I'm probably going to do that anyway, whether we podcast <laughs> about it or not. Um, we'll see. We'll see when we get there. I think I yeah. have most of April and then May is uh, leader out of the affiliation month and then June is starting to be booked. I am um, jealous of your preparation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, a mad woman, so. <laughs> Fair. All right. Well, listeners, uh, Lex and I are going to do a little bonus content, um, continuing the trend of just what's fun for us and opponents. Uh, Maybe a little roster talk, maybe a little like lesser loved characters, but continue with the trend of uh, just, you know, having fun with the game. Um, But I think this is a good time to close things out. And I will say uh, the most OP thing that you can do is have Angela special delivery She-Hulk in the middle of a separation anxiety event because you have decided that you will be the only force on the table. It was Scarlet Witch. (laughs) Whatever. It's funnier with Angela because she's a long mover. Yes, and I'm accurate. Anyway, peace, nerds. Peace. Peace.